so it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello guys and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. My name is Archie and I'm joined as always with Leo and Toby and another round of Super Rugby over the weekend and a couple of interesting games um, from Australia and some absolutely scintillating ones from Super Rugby Artuloa as well. Remember before we jump into these, make sure you are following us on Instagram and Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast or at the Running Rugby Pod. Um... Guys, we should just jump into it because there's there's not a huge amount other in news at the moment. We'll jump straight to Friday night, and we had the Force taking on the Reds at Manly. Uh, obviously, a neutral ground since they couldn't head down to Amy Park, and it was a it was a wet and windy night for this one. Yeah, it was pretty rough conditions. The the Force and the Reds playing away from home, not really not really showing. A whole lot early on, just just battling the conditions. Um, I was a bit disappointed with the the kicking. Not to not to tee off on a negative note, but perfect opportunity to chase some more of those fifty twenty two sort of kicks and and put the the sort of back three under pressure, uh, trying to catch in the wind and the rain. And didn't see a lot of that. They just tried to grind it out and and kept the ball through the hands. Um, really good ending though. Like the red started slow and the rebels got on top. But the end, just like what a finish that 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 try that got the the Reds up to within a conversion, then obviously the successful kick, like that was an amazing little bit of play. James O'Connor really switched it on and a good support play, and and Murphy falls over for one. Yeah, I mean, it was a strange game, wasn't it? It wasn't the best spectacle and a bit loose at times. And you know, you had O'Connor running around trying to do everything, and then. Guys like Tamu are pretty invisible and just just a strange game in, in a lot of ways. But um, look, exciting at the end there, and it's a shame we didn't get re- a result in this. Like the the golden point or the super time, whatever you want to call it, didn't really work in favour of of a spectacle. It just kind of petered out in the end. The feedback through the week, people have reflected on it, and you know it's interesting to have it so early in the season with as a new rule. Seem to be that like not getting a, a result. But the whole point of it was to get a result, and we didn't get a result. So they certainly could have done something a bit different there. It felt like both teams were very conservative, very unwilling to give away a penalty, knowing that it's golden point no matter what. It's you know one one score from either side, and it's over. I, I think I'd like to see it play out to a result, but uh, perhaps it would work better if it wasn't golden point, and it meant just another 10 minutes score whatever points you can if you give away a penalty so be it you got to then get more aggressive and try and score a try i think you'd probably still end it in that extra 10 minutes more often than not and then referees wouldn't be so afraid of giving a penalty knowing that it could be the game game deciding decision um and teams would be forced to then um chance their hand even more openly if they were down a penalty because it's not actually golden point is it it's actually yeah, it, is. it is golden is point it? it's not yeah. the total at the end of the 10 no, minutes. No, so okay. it's changed from As soon that. as someone it's, scores. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is the bit I don't like because I think it just means the ref is super hesitant to make a call mm. when he knows it's something 
in a kickable position, especially with people like Hegarty going for it from out, outside 50 and almost mm. getting it. That would have been that would have been an amazing finish. But um, yeah, yeah really I, I think. Close. I think on reflection, if we get another one of those and we and we see more really passive play and um, and conservative refereeing, I think there definitely would be a sensible push to try and get it to just be open slather ten minutes, play your hearts out, sort of thing. Mm. Would mm. you want any further thing, something after the extra time if there's no result? Do something like I've seen in some of the European cups and stuff. They do sort of goal kicking or drop off challenges. To drop offs is good. Drop-offs can work because it forces there to be more space. If you're willing to accept more time, the risk is that over time, you you, you know, players are potentially at risk because they're, they're fatigued and guys are not able to, um, you know, get themselves in good positions for tackling because they're just so tired. Um, you know, things like scrums, does that become more risky? But I do like the idea of drop-offs because it creates more space and it gives a team a chance to to finish strong and finish um, you know, making use of all their skills rather than kicking. It just kind of feels like, you know, penalty shootout sort of thing. I don't really like that. I don't know. I'd kind of, I'd enjoy seeing, you know, kicks from the sideline. I don't know how far you take it back, but maybe you could just choose how far you wanted to take it back and you had to kick it right from the side um, and you had to cycle through a different play every time. be kind of interesting. I, that's probably not going to happen but... very often, so... I mean, it's something very different, and why not experiment a little bit? Not sure it would ever really, you know, take hold in the international game. But you imagine know, the conditions the on Friday, kicker, though. Yeah, like I know. Which, wet and windy straight off the bat. It's probably not a really a fair and equitable way of ending the game, but I think it would create a fair fair spectacle to actually for for fans there because you know once you get to your third or fourth kicker. You know, it's going to be, it's going to, who, like, you'd imagine you had have O'Connor and Hegarty, and then who would you look to after that? You'd have probably Tate coming in. Like, it'd be interesting. So, well, you reckon flip, flip a coin, flip a coin, yeah. kicker who, who wins kick the toss, 50. gets to place the tee, and that's where sure. they kick from. So, he chooses where he thinks he can make, and the other guy can't, and then he kicks first. And if yeah, he makes exactly. it, the other guy's got to match him. And if he doesn't make it, obviously, that guy can step up, and the other team could win. Like, something like that. It's interesting, but it's much slower, right? You've you've had this yeah. game; it's been fast and it's tight, and now you're just watching two guys have a kickoff. I'd rather I'd rather see drop offs, like drop. You know, we're going to go from 15 mm. down to 12. You know, to lose your choice mm. of flankers and wingers or whatever, and then suddenly there's more space, and you get guys like Barrett, like um, you know Will Harrison, like James O'Connor chipping over the top for for runners, and I think that'd be more exciting. Yeah, potentially. Did end up at 18 all, and you're right, it was a important last try, last try to Alex Murphy through a little bit of a break through James O'Connor. But I think, like, the weather played a massive part of this, especially early on. I think the Reds had a few great chances, and you thought, like, one or two phases longer, and they looked like they were going to break the line and go through and score, but just through poor handling and the wet conditions, they sort of broke down a little bit. And the Rebels sort of especially in the first half, they played it smarter, they played the territory, and they almost got the win out of it. They got Billy Meeks scampering through to pick off an intercept try, and that almost put them ahead, and they could have could have had a big upset here. Yeah, that was that was a bit of luck there for that one too. Um, you know, Red's pushing the ball, and Meeks is, Meeks is a bit of a... Um, a bit of a... Top, yeah, Tiger in the centre just to, to sneak through and, and snatch one or two of those. You see it 
probably every season he's done that. Um, so, yeah, I think the Rebels should have won this because they were playing a bit smarter than the Reds in the conditions. Um, it's just, again, it feels like we're, we're seeing the teams come out and, and try and force their style through the conditions more than adapt. And I think there was definitely more kicking and territory to be gained in this game, not to turn into a kick fest, but, um, you know, to, to try and make more of that, that new rule, particularly in the conditions, we'll kick it hard and low and look for some more some more errors from the opposition. It just felt like they kept it moving through the hands, not, not even really just sending it up with the forwards. Yeah, no doubt. The Reds didn't have their best game. I think actually Chris Fayway Sauter probably changed the game for them when he came on. So I'm, I'm looking for him to possibly start next game. Um, so it's, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'd like to shift Hunter Paisami into 12 and um, and see Chris at 13 because I think that would be a good combination. I'm not really keen on shifting around the back three, although he can play on the wing as we've seen. Um but he was really electric when he came on. That great pop at the end yeah. to Murphy. A um, few massive hits by him as well. And I just think he looks lively. He looks fit again, which has always been a problem with Chris Fayway. So he's, he picks up injuries pretty pretty regularly. So um, I think, one, if he, can, if he can keep playing at this sort of level, he'll be on the, in the, the Wallabies frame, I think. Well, he does um, have a cap, so interesting. doesn't he? He does, yeah. So I think he'll be looking to add to that. And he's been around for a while now. He's no, by no means... Uh, a young player anymore, so he's got some experience and you can see what he what he can he actually offer when he's fully fit. One other bit of credit we should give the Reddit of the Reds to two points in this game, they were down to fourteen men and they didn't really let it get too far out of hand. Um, I actually think the Rebels at at one point probably should have got a card. There was about eight straight penalties against them and they just didn't seem to to get yeah. them like on the line and, and you know, they had the conversation, next one sort of thing, and then never really came. So, um, you know, credit to the Reds players for staying strong in the defence. I think that's one of their really best attributes is that their defensive line and their structure and their communication is very good, and that keeps them in these games. And you just you just really need to stop giving away the, the penalties that, that get the card and then, you know, 15 strong 80 minutes that they'd be in a much better position to attack and win this game. Yeah, two yellows, right? Yeah, so, that's right. Both the centres. Was that Taniella? No, that was last week. Oh, okay. Paisami, 56 minutes. Hamish Stewart, 41 minutes. So both in the second half. Oh, right? okay. Taniella got one last week in the end of the game. <clears throat> yes, that's, yeah, that's the, the discipline they've got to deal with. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all good to have that ferocity and, and real intensity in, in defence, but... Yeah, you've got to you've got to hold it together because it can really destroy them and derail their the way they play. I think the Reds are the better team, but they just didn't really play to the conditions and they they need to fix up their um, discipline. Toby, you spoke about some big hits coming from the Red side. Um, one player from the Rebels that we probably haven't ever mentioned before on this podcast, but made a few highlights from himself in defense and offense. Um, the new prop Pone Faamalsili. Um, was up against Silly, yeah. yeah, up against Taniella there and made. Oh, sorry, it was up against on Hooper's side, um, but absolutely towered over the other props on the field and some some big runs taking out the line dropout and just sprinting it back and a couple of massive hits. One on Hegarty where he really put him down. Um, it's a guy that we we haven't sort of seen before, but he he's starting to make a bit of a 
name for himself. Uh, two weeks with um, pretty solid performances. He's dropped a bit of weight, I think. He, I've seen him, in, I think, last year even maybe, or maybe it was early in the season. It's hard to remember now, but um, I did kind of... I was He was on my radar earlier on, but he never actually got the start. So I think now that he's a bit fitter, he can go play a longer match. Um, 6'5", 130kg. Yeah, and huge guy. Big guy. He's got a bit of a league background, I think. So you could see that with the way he ran the ball back, state of origin style. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, look, we've got prospects. We just need to coach them up properly. I think it's the message here. Um, and like, yeah, they need, as a prop, you need probably two or three years to really hone your craft um, before you, you'd be ready for international level. But it's it's definitely someone we need to to keep in Australian rugby because you can see that he's got the talent there. It just needs to be shaped. Yeah, he's really, really strong ball runner, really competitive, um, you know, played his part in the lineouts. And, you know, that's that's good for the Rebels. They need, they need that sort of aggressor. I feel like they don't really... They don't really have that, like in the in a controlled way, um, in the forwards that that real hard edge. So, really, really solid couple of games out of him so far, and I'm looking for him to match up pretty well uh, when they come when they come to play the so the Tars and the and the Force. See what see what he makes of them because it should be an easier meal than the Brumbies and the and the and the Reds so far. Um, mm-hmm. And again, a prospect to hold on to, like someone who should be in some sort of um, development program if he's not already on the sort of the tapped list of players saying, you know, keep keep this up and you're going to get a look in for the Wallabies squad at some point or, or a training camp, not someone want to lose overseas with just the physical attributes and it's needs to hone the skills and, and keep the form up. Particularly with the Rebels, like that's the front row has been a problem for them for a while. Um, so hold on to him. Yeah, exactly. They've managed to export all their guys too. Mm. Yeah, they end up Tyrell Lomax at the Canes now. Um, it's been a couple of guys that Ainsley's have left. Gone. gone. Tara yeah. Faulkner's gone. Yeah. Gone on to do relatively well, I think. Yeah, they need some young props. They've got Ulysses there still who, yeah, look, he's, he's playing a bit better, but I'm still not seeing international level Line play from him. Line-outs still an issue. Well, can't for both throw, sides can't in throw this the game, ball. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's talk about the other Australian game this weekend. And we had the Tars and the Force in their miraculous return to Super Rugby. And it was all the Force early in this game. Got out to an early 14-point lead um, before the Tars scored right at the end of that first half. And then in the second half, the Force just couldn't recapture any of that sort of momentum. Um, Ending the game 23-14. The Force made a strong showing. Made a bit of a good name for self in coming back, but unable to match it for the full 80 here. Yeah, great start by them, wasn't it? Up 14-0 in the first half. Yeah. Um, I think Ian Pryor led really well from the front. Um, guys like Stander at number eight looked really energetic and had good intensity starting off the game. And look, the Tars looked like they were in trouble early on. I actually thought, you know what, this is um, this is their worst nightmare because... A force team that only has a bunch of names in there that we recognise, and look, they're putting they put the Tars to the sword early on. But the Tars kind of, I guess they regrouped at halftime and they were able to put some points on the board in the second half and look a lot more composed and control the game. But you can see the force; they do have, um, you know, they do have some players in there. John O'Lance led well from the front as well, and I think given a few more games, 
they could be they could probably take a, a few teams down on their day. Um, I just yeah, I was probably surprised at first, and I think in the second half that's probably more what I was expecting the level of play from them. So hopefully they can continue to improve. Yeah, I think that prior Lance nine ten combination is is really handy. Like without that, the force just wouldn't look like the same sort of well directed team. Um, the passing out of those two was really precise and like re- really direct, putting putting the ball out in front of the runners um, and just keeping the the momentum moving in the right direction. So you know, good signs, good basics. Uh, not not trying to um, blow the Waratahs off the park early and and sort of you know try and try and win some fans so much as just you know putting in a solid performance and there's going to be games that are a bit odd this year with with teams playing away from home neutral venues there'll no doubt be some more poor weather um i think that they're definitely in the in the race to to knock over a few teams who aren't on their best form maybe missing a few players and not hitting their straps Mm. and probably god running yeah 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 100%. 100%. We, we called that, didn't we? He's just yeah. kind of just flat balls, just putting guys into space. That's it. That's I think he looked good, and he's, he's he been good. with them for only a couple of weeks. Yeah. But it's a system that he's been in before, I guess. But not like those are the big names in the team, but the other guys, like the guys who were involved in that first try, um, the number six, Stowers, who I think, Toby, you were like, oh, it almost looks like Nicerani or something, like running down the pit. Amanaki Mafi. Amanaki Mafi. I, was, oh, yeah. um, I just thought from a distance, he he kind of ran with the same intensity. Yeah, and then cool. gives a good ball well. out to Ralston that finishes as well. Like These are going to be some names that are going to become a little bit more um, noticed by us and noticed by people in the Super Rugby community, and you may find these guys get snapped up, I think. Yeah, and I think, look, they'll improve. Greg Holmes, he saw what he could do in the scrum when he came on. Absolutely. So I think... He's definitely superior to Longbottom. He should start there at Tidehead. Um, or even Loosehead. He can probably play both sides of the scrum. But um, also, I think we're yet to see Kyle Godwin actually perform to the level he can. He could slot into 12. And then you got the Pryor, Lance and Godwin combination there in the inside backs. Um, Jack McGregor looked lively. I like I think McGregor. there's some good signs. I like him. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he he's, does a lot. He kind of reminds me of a bit like a Muirhead or, um, you know, one of those outside Brumbies backs that you see, smaller guy, but um, lively with the ball in hand and, and does quite a lot from the back. So I think, um, look, Force, it's first game back. They, they had a really good start. Weren't able to follow it through, but, look, I think they'll be encouraged by some of the signs there. Whereas the Tars, um, really, I guess, it came down to Will Harrison sort of leading them back. Um, was good with the boot again in this game and pretty much showed that he could keep sort of sides under pressure um, with his kicking a bit of territory play and just keep slotting over the three-pointers. And not only Harrison, Staniforth came on, gets the winning try, well, gets the last try. He had two, like, really good strong runs within, like, three rucks and, like, got him right next to the line, then comes back two rucks later, picks it up and and drives over. Toby, what are your thoughts about him? (laughs) <laughs> he makes it look difficult though doesn't he nothing looks easy with him um he scored what two or three tries in his career of super rugby i think look it was important for this game um look i'm still not sold on him starting and i can i get the feeling that he's going to be shifted maybe in there for hannigan based on this performance and 
don't know if that's the best thing for the Tars, but I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're probably struggling a little bit with their scrum um, and probably need a bit more weight in that second row. So I expect Staniforth probably to be promoted from the bench for next game. Um, yeah, look, I've, Tars, it's interesting. I I still am expecting a bit more from, from guys like Will Harris at the back. I think he needs to get his hands on the ball more. Yeah. Um, he was all right Swinton's, in a few of their lineouts, though. He's sort of becoming yeah. a little bit more present in that. But you're right, yeah, in open play. I, I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's doing a lot of the tight stuff well. But I think as a number eight, he needs to get his hands on the ball and just roam around a bit. And that probably will come with time and confidence that he has in his own game. He's got to grow that. Swinton still quite present and, and you're seeing him making those hits around the field. Probably not as impactful as last week, but still strong. Hooper everywhere. Um, we're seeing Hooper, I think, come back into form a little bit. Um, he's just probably got to, again, carry the ball a little bit more. And, yeah, look, Leah, you want to say something? Well, what did you think of Maddox this week? I think Maddox oh, was a better performer. So, um, I think actually, again, two weeks in a row. There was a there was a, another interesting article about our um, our faithful Fox Sports commentators and how they don't really do justice to you know the the game in front of them and one of the things yeah. when Maddox had like taken an amazing sort of sliding uh, receiving the ball on the slide heading towards the sideline and and actually made something out of it instead of just you know booting it away straight out and they just got a oh he's playing well like no no energy no excitement you know the leagues would have been like calling it the best player of the year so far and yeah now guys are just you know oh yeah that was good like come on he's boys playing, he's impressed. So like well. one of our new new younger star guys who we hope will develop even further and give him a rap yeah, when he does absolutely. something good i didn't know that like i know that in open space when he's set up he can score tries he's a great finisher as well but you never saw this from him at the Rebels, really. I don't think you saw this kind of dynamic nature to his game. Um, and just being in the right place at the right time at the back, he's got a good sense of, of the position at fullback. Um, we keep talking about it. That's his preferred position. So he's happy back there. And he's linking up well with guys like James Ram, who I think is continuing to impress. Yep. No Wase. Again, I think he's probably a little bit quiet still. forcing things a little bit, and yeah. he's a little bit quiet, um, needs to inject himself more. To be fair, Maddox is not getting a whole lot of help from his center pairing at the moment, so I think he's he's the highlight of that back line at the moment. Harrison is playing well, but again, I think he needs some assistance from, from guys like Walton and Newsom inside. Before we move off this game, um, the Force announced another signing of another big name, uh, they have signed Richard Kahui, uh, formerly of, well, New Zealand rugby, formerly of the Chiefs. He's played a few different Chiefs places. Mama. Um, apparently he's been in training to play some Aussie rules, so he's, he's quite fit there at the moment, but he's now signed with the force to start playing. So a bit of a, bit of an alternate choice, but I mean, it's another big name, another guy to take with them out to the Hunter Valley to include in their squad and hopefully give a bit of wise words to some of these younger players a guy who's uh got a got a strong history of putting on some big hits hopefully he's still got it at 35 um but more more importantly probably is experience uh experience in systems at the chiefs when they were successful experience with the all blacks when they were successful played multiple positions in the back line 
played internationally, but sorry, played in competitions in other nations. Um, again, building building on some of the elder statesmen like your John O'Lance and your Ian Pryor and those guys who are bringing that into the team. You're adding another guy who can help develop the younger talent, but also reinforce the line that you've got now. Which, um, yeah, if he's if he's in good shape, I'm sure he's an asset, and we'll, we'll probably see him at least off the bench, if not start at some point. And I'd expect that he is, given he's he's played. I mean, Japan, it's not the highest level, but he's been playing there for a number of years. Just come back to Australia where apparently he was going to settle down uh, and got the call. So I think excellent news for the force. It gives a bit more profile to their team. Um, And he can play inside center, outside center. So you could see him maybe link up with Godwin in that center pairing. That would be nice, I think. Link up with Brocky. Yeah, I think displace Brocky more likely. (laughs) More likely, but um, didn't see much from him on the weekend, actually. but, yeah, I think, look, the Force, they, they're always going to, they're not going to throw money at the biggest stars at the moment, given their position. But someone who's willing to play, has got a great history history in the game, been successful, you know, as Leo said, he's won a World Cup. He's won a, super, or a couple of Super Rugby titles, I think. Um, he's not he's not looking to play for the All Blacks again. He's just looking to, to continue to enjoy playing his rugby, and I think he's happy to help the Force um, hopefully get some success there. So good to see. And I think we just want to see more profile in Australian rugby. If we can bring these guys in, even at the end of their careers, then I think that's a good thing. From one Kiwi to another, um, a whole bunch of them, in fact, down there in Christchurch on Saturday night, this was the game preceding that Waratahs game. And I guess this probably overshadowed it quite a lot because the Crusaders hosting the Blues down there was an absolute scorcher of a game I was there I was present I was very sad not to see Dan Carter named on the bench for this one they touted it for so long and they they didn't even have him running the water on the side I think they were a bit worried about what he might cop from the fans down there at Orange Theory Stadium um but it was all blues for 60 minutes of this game the blues were dominating they were on top the forwards were absolutely hitting and stopping those Crusaders. And the back line, uh, I think they were getting... The Blues were outplaying them, despite sort of Bowden having quite a quiet game and not being that involved, really. It was all a teary black sort of masterminding it. Um, but then as, as they so often do, the Crusaders, the last 20 minutes in this game, they, they put together two converted tries and a penalty. Mawanga just takes hold of this game, takes it by the throat and makes it... Um, bend to, pretty much to his will um, and I don't know whether it was Moanga starting it or it was, it was the crowd but in this last 20 minutes the, the noise was unbelievable and you could just feel the whole stadium lift lift behind the red and the black and they, they brought their boys home that, um, that short kick off that Moanga scooted along after and scooped up and yeah. like you know took, took 30 metres off the kick off just on his own like, that was just amazing like not not just obviously having the the uh, wherewithal to sort of notice a bit of space, quick little chip like completely like goosed everyone. Quick little grubber yeah. forward, quick ten meters, and then sliding through and up again. Well, like, that's it. He didn't just dive yeah. on it and stop. He got up and beat like three people, and then that's was suddenly right. yeah, it was suddenly inside the well inside the twenty two, and suddenly they're on the attack. But I yeah. think we're we're even forgetting the play before this where Enor charges down a Terry Black's kick in front of the post. 
True. I think that actually changed the game. It lifted the crowd, um, and it almost woke the Crusaders up. They had that try scored against them by Rico Yuani. Kick charged down. Malanga thinking quickly, goes back to halfway, bang, onside kick, regather, and they're off. And that last 20 minutes was all Crusaders. Yep. You yeah, see absolutely. Will Jordan score. Um, they just controlled the game. They built themselves back into the game on the off the back of two great plays and two great players. I mean, this is, this is a Crusaders franchise that has talent across the park, but I really do think that this game could have been taken from them quite easily by the Blues. If they hung on for another 10 minutes, I think they would have got there. Um, the Crusaders just know when to take it to the next level, and I think the Blues are still learning to do that. They're definitely playing consistent football. I think by far this was the best game of the season of any of any of the, the two codes, um, or Ataroa and AU. Yeah. Um, and I think this is, this is part of the issue. If the Kiwi teams are playing at this level... The Australian teams need to to get up to that level because as a spectacle and just, you know, just in terms of the level of rugby, they're both surpassing Super Rugby Australia at the moment. That's a problem if you're trying to sell the sport. And if you're trying to to look to the New Zealanders to do a combined trans-Tasman comp, it just makes the two competitions, they seem like they're at such different levels. But again, the thing... Maybe maybe it's drawing um, too much um, significance from it, but you see Atero Black line up that kick, and he was quite close. Obviously, obviously he's in range of a charge down, and mm. not so much that he looked casual, but just that he, he gave them that opportunity, maybe switched off just for a moment with the way he was taking that kick and um, didn't anticipate that the Crusaders would be trying to charge it down with every you know bit of speed they had. And again, Moanga taking the opportunity. Like the Crusaders are just never off. The whole team is switched on and, and you know attentive to the moment, in the moment for 80 minutes. And I think that's probably part of the Blues' evolution is they've gone from being that emotional team, playing on on you know in it, the energy of of um, you know desire to win or just or anger or frustration, whatever it was. And they've they've calmed themselves now and they play really a really stable um style where they where they do just you know stick with what they're good at but but it's just that ability to stay in the moment all the time and and see every opportunity the crusaders are still just the masters of that and and obviously if you don't do that and you're playing the crusaders they will catch you out when you decide to take your eye off the game for a moment and obviously that's what led to that momentum change a couple of quick smart moves like that and like you said that's then, then you're then you're playing the the chasing game against them, and and not many teams manage that. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think that's something the Australian teams need to work on: being present in the moment and not thinking twenty minutes ahead in a game, just playing what's in front of you, um, and playing to the conditions as well. So, lot to learn from the Australian teams. I think just quickly, Two Cents Rugby on YouTube did a, a breakdown of the differences in terms of key stats between the two competitions. And really the only two things that stuck out were the Australian teams had slightly higher handling errors, which is one thing obviously may not make the game as enjoyable, um, which then led to more scrums, obviously. So I think there's a bit more dead time in the Australian um, games, but also I feel like the intensity is just lower. But in terms of tries, run meters, things like that, um, 
it's quite similar. So if we can lift that level of intensity um, in the Australian games and, and cut out some of these silly errors that they do tend to make, well, I think I, we'll be on a similar level. I think, I think that is partly due to like our baseline skills and like it's a point that we keep coming back to. But I think, Leo, you sort of talked about it when you were watching the game, just like the passing off the ruck when it, when it wasn't like a halfback or it wasn't one of the backs, it was just one of the forwards and they're doing these pinpoint balls out in front of their forward runners, not just sort of like a two-metre pop that's sort of slow and get, it just allows the person to get hammered. Um, it just changes the momentum and suddenly, no matter who you have at the back of the ruck, you're going to get a ball out in front, you're going to be going forward, you're going to be across the game line and it just speeds everything up. Yeah, it just builds so much momentum. Um, and and they're, they're all all the New Zealand sides seem to be well drilled at this. Um, they're, they're not receiving the ball flat-footed. Um, like the whole back line is static when the ball comes out of the ruck and, and from the halfback in the Australian matches. They're just all standing in their line and they really only start moving uh, as the ball comes to them as opposed to being in, mo- in, sort of in motion and the pass anticipating where they're going to be. Mm. Um, it definitely slows the whole thing down a little bit. The, it is the almost other... it, it's almost like they're playing at the end of a game where you're just popping it to forwards, trying not to lose the ball and just close out a game. Yeah, What's that? Wrong just even just the service from the halves just seems to be um, it. It just doesn't lead the player onto the ball. Like if you always throw the ball um, mm. back to, to the guy, you you, for, you can force him to be flat footed as much as he is flat footed. So yeah. I think it's it's that. Um, it's you know anytime you're throwing a pass in in other sports you can be throwing or you know in football or hockey you can be putting a ball out in front of someone so that they move on to the ball you you sort of force them to move forward um, to to receive it and we certainly don't see that much of that there's very few players in the Australian comp at the moment I think that are putting the ball out in front and and really dragging their their teammates onto it and up up uh, up into the defensive line yeah and and it's those few times that you do see it and it just it sticks out so differently to everything else that's happening. Whereas um, it seems it's just the norm when we're watching these Kiwi games that people are running onto these things at full pelt. Um, yep. So it definitely makes a difference. So, I mean, Crusaders get, get the honors for the first half of this season. Um, they have completed the grand slam, uh, but they will have to face the blues again in Eden park, which um, will be another sort of highlight fixture, I, I guarantee. Um, the other game on Sunday afternoon, the Hurricanes taking on the Highlanders up there at Sky Stadium in Wellington. And a strange game because it started off with tries, sort of two tries disallowed in the first 10 minutes, um, both through um, offside and obstruction play. Um, first with Mitch Hunt sliding through the line after a kick and was ruled to there be a slight obstruction um, to Ash Dixon and through Ash Dixon, and then same thing, the Hurricanes came down the other end, and then there was another sort of play for it, and then, so after after about 10 minutes, we felt like we'd, we'd seen um, a whole bunch of points, but then it took for another 15 minutes before the Hurricanes broke through, uh, but dominant first half in the end by the Hurricanes, they got up 17 points to nil, and it took, uh, took uh, some special efforts from Aaron Smith to cross the line mid sort of second half, and they, they couldn't keep the momentum going. So Hurricane's taking it. And, and another try from Jakobus van Vick, um, the South African on the wing there. He <laughs> just seems to have a nose for the line for those Kane boys. 
Yeah, he was looking good. Like, he just kind of ran down. I mean, Kane's always know where a finisher is, right? They have some of the best wingers out there. Um, but he came over, I think he was at the Sharks before. Yep. Um, he looks good. Um, I'm not sure. It's an interesting signing as well. Like, uh, he's obviously not going to... You'd expect him not playing for the All Blacks anytime soon, whether he wants to settle to New Zealand long term. But, you know, he's definitely getting his profile out there. If, um, you well, know, he's out, still eligible in Australia. for the Springboks, isn't he? Well, I guess so, yeah. I mean, they're not playing at the moment, so it's doing him a fair bit of help in that department, I guess, as well. Um, but he looks a big boy as well. Like, he's he's kind of tiptoeing down the touchline, but um, he's got a fair yeah. bit of size to him as well. That's it. Well, he's, he's 6'2", almost 100 kilos. He's, he's definitely definitely fairly big down there. Um, I think... Yeah, I... Canes. Canes. Did you guys pick the Canes? I think we all did, right? Yeah, we all did. I believe I picked this actually perfectly, picking them by um, six points. There you go, mate. One of the few yeah, calls I, think... I, I got right for the weekend after tipping the force. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a, that was a brave call by you. I couldn't do it. I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I think if we're looking at teams the force could beat, who are we thinking? Maybe the the Rebels. I, I don't see them beating anyone else. So, great hey, call we're, by we're you. We're not on, on the preview set. We're still talking about this game. Um, but I mean all I think we can say here is that Hurricanes benefit from being at home they were definitely playing the win better uh, Mitch Hunt still looks alright but it sounds like Josh Iwani will be back next week and will take that 10 spot um, which Mitch Hunt hopefully move, or sounds like he's touted to move back into the 15 spot um, does anyone have anything else to say about this game or shall we shall we jump into next week's previews our previews, let's do it. Okay, well, you can talk about the Force now because Friday night, up at Suncorp, you've got the Reds hosting the Western Force. So, another a tough, tough introduction um, after the close loss last week, Western Force having to travel up into Queensland to face this Reds team that's probably a little bit sore that they, um, they're not sitting on top of the table at the moment in this, in this competition. This is the sort of game which... The Reds, you would hope, will put their sort of stamp on this competition after suffering a draw, I would put it, to the, the Rebels this past week. Um, they should really be really be putting their foot down at home and 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 you know, showing showing up the force who in most people's minds are a, a sort of tier two side having just come back to super rugby. So um, you know, discipline side of things needs to be better. Uh, I think, honestly, I think that's just about it. They need to be putting the ball out in front of guys. Uh, hopefully the weather's a bit better and keep the discipline. And they're, they're a good team over 80 minutes. Would you make any changes to that Reds team? I know Toby wants to put in for away, Sotia. Look, I, at the moment... It's it's hard because a guy like Fawai Sotia comes on to the uh, comes off the bench, fresh, uh, running at tired players, bringing energy. You know, want, wanting to prove a point. Uh, I think either he or Hunter Paisami. I think they're they're similar in skill set, similar in um, stature. I, I actually quite like Hamish Stewart. I think he's pretty dogged in defence, and I think he represents fairly good balance. Um, the the Rebels had his number. He didn't really make any breaks, but he does run the ball hard for a smaller twelve. Um, I think I think he'll be fine in this match against the Force if he keeps his spot. 
I don't think you get as much necessarily out of a FAO-ICT, a Hunter-Paisami combination in the centre. So I think you can only pick one of them. And at the moment, they'll both be impactful off the bench. Um, and, and really, you just want you just want to make sure they, they capitalise late in the game. You've got 15 guys on the field. Let's give them every opportunity to, to bust through the line and, and try and score some tries. What about BPA and Alex Murphy? Would you think about a change yeah. between them? I mean, BPA's... I mean, the lineouts were difficult on last Friday night in the rain. Um, but, I mean, we've seen what Alex Murphy can do. We saw him sort of in the open field running. He's probably a little bit more mobile, a bit more dynamic than BPA. BPA is a bit bigger, um, maybe a bit better of a scrummager. Yeah, I'd like to see Murphy. I think he was playing really well earlier in the season. I think um, Murphy could even be in Wallaby's selection frame as well. Um, I'd like to see him start. And as I said before, I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see Paisami at 12 and Chris Fiwai Sotir at 13. Um, apart from that, I'd, I'm pretty happy with that Reds team. I was worried about Fraser McWright with his knee. Um, fell very awkwardly on it in the first half. But managed just to shake that off. So I haven't heard anything come out of that about that. So that seems like he's okay. So we'll probably see that um, back row combination continue. I think Angus Blythe, um, yeah, Angus Blythe and Salakai Loto are pretty good in the second row. They just need to keep building that combination together. And look, I think the Reds are, are going to pump the the force. I think it's going to be a a big score actually. If we get some dry weather up there, I think you might see the the Reds actually run right here. It was um, good to see Blythe playing the the uh, majority of this game, and you could see how valuable he was to the lineouts. Even though the throws were a bit awry, and um, you know some of the calls didn't quite connect with the jumper, but he's obviously a fairly integral part, and that was um, really visible. Or in contrast, this week to the previous week when he when he was out early in that round one game. Um, just how important he is to stabilising that forward pack. So, you know, we really, really need the Reds to keep those two guys on the field as much as possible. They, they seem to be fit enough to play the majority of the game. Lucan's pretty much down for 80 minutes by the looks of it every week. So it's, uh, it's going to be important that they capitalise and improve that line out. BPA to Murphy, I, they, I think they both come with, um, you know, minor, minor... Uh, differences their BPA I would assume is the better scrummager I think that's why Brad Thorne probably starts him and again Murphy's better running game better suited to the end of the game bring the energy play a really strong 30-ish minutes um, doesn't worry me I, I had Murphy as in the Wallaby squad last year like I was really pro Murphy and um, we didn't we didn't really get to see a lot of it so uh, I think he'll get his chance and I don't mind that he comes off the bench yet Definitely some plump gumption from those boys there. Um, how many points you taking the Reds by then, Leah? I I think it's going to be it's probably in the sort of ten to twelve region at this point. I'm not predicting a blowout, but I think it'll be a strong win. Fair enough. Um, and look, we probably can't say too much more about the force at this stage. We're just got to wait and see sort of how these guys adjust and whether they come out again and are willing to throw a bit of caution to the wind to try and um, put some early points on and put some pressure on this Reds team because I think that's the only way they're going to sort of keep it close in this game. Um, going to the other game of the round, 
we have the Waratahs uh, hosting the Brumbies up at ANZ Stadium. And both these games look like they're going to be sunny, clear, and dry. So it should be some running rugby here. Um, but the Tars, it's a tough shout. It's a tough change going from playing the fourth one week and now coming up against the top of the show, the Brumbies. Yeah, and I, I don't really hold a lot of hope for the Tars, actually, given given their performance against the Force. I think if they if they bring that kind of display, they're going to get towed up by, by a Brumbies team that has had the week off, and I think they're looking to come in fresh. And this is always quite a rivalry as well, um, particularly when they travel up to, to Sydney. So, look, Brumbies, I think, um, should be a solid favourite here. And the Tars, look, they can get gritty. They can bring the defence. We've seen that early on in these these first two games, but yeah, it's it's going to be um it's going to be a really really tough match for them. And look, I'd take the Brumbies pretty comfortably. I think here as well, if if Noel Alessio can direct that backline around, I think um, the Tars are going to struggle to contain them, particularly with the the amount of strength that the Brumbies have in their forwards. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I I don't see a lot of players. Um, really in a position to pressure Noel Alessio in this game. Like, I expect the back row will be given their, their orders to to get on him. You know, I, I hope it doesn't end up in Swinton, you know, smashing him late just for the sake of, you know, impressing upon him just how, how much they're going to be on his back all game. But I'm sure Hooper and Swinton and... Um, is it Harry, Not Harry Wilson. <laughs> will, will Harris. Harris. Will Harris. I think, I think, I think those three will start, though. Oh, really? Yeah, Maybe. I reckon he comes in. I reckon he comes I, in at eight. I think those guys will be told, you know, you need to pressure Lalasio all the time because that's their opportunity to try and squash the, the Brumbies' momentum in the backs. But that's going to be a tall order because the Brumbies' forwards will have the, the dominance over the Waratahs' forwards comfortably, I would expect. Yeah. And that platform's going to set up the backs really well. It's going to be hard to put pressure on Lalasio. And then I feel like it's going to be Maddox trying to sweep everything up at the back. Um, big challenge for James Ram and Nwanganitawasi to to try and contain with banks uh, with Maddox's support the um, the backline of of the Brumbies who will be coming at them from all angles. Um, strong runners, big bodies. Um, yeah, the the backlines of there's a fair disparity in these two backlines, even though the the Brumbies have got their youngsters too. Yeah, well, it's looking at the history between these two teams in the last few years, and it's it's really been dominated by the Brumbies. There's, Waratahs have only won once in the last eight games against the Brumbies, and the Brumbies have won every game in Sydney um, of the last four as well. So really strong showing for the Brumbies there. They seem to have the Tars number. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see a way the Tars are going to get out of this Um with well hopefully they get out with a little bit of dignity and a little bit of good showing from them but um, I'm not sure they're going to be able to take away much more than that. Moving across to Super Rugby Atiloa, um the Crusaders are on bye we've gone back to the schedule as per round one um, so we have on Saturday night the Hurricanes hosting the Blues um, and then Sunday we have the Chiefs hosting the Highlanders which may be another Close tussle potentially going down to the wire, I think, again, between those two. What are your boys' thoughts on these two games? It's a it's a massive one for the, the Hurricanes, who are resurgent, playing at home against the Blues, who have only had really the one setback 
so far in the competition, but obviously Crusaders last week. So they'll be singing from that. It's it's really the rising the rising mid table um, Hurricanes versus the slightly sliding Blues. I think the Blues can certainly win away, and I think it's it is one of those defining games where they need to shake off the loss against the top team the previous week. Um, they're still on the road. They've got to make something of this game in Wellington so they can head home to Auckland, put in a really solid three games to finish the season. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think they can do it with their current form. Um, the Hurricanes have been a little bit hot and cold. Obviously, they've they've won against the easier teams and lost against the better teams. Blues are still the better team in my mind. Yeah, Kane's feisty. I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people imagine. I think the Blues probably would have built up, uh, probably used or, you know, they were building up for the Crusaders game, probably used a lot of their mental energy in that didn't get the win, so a little bit disappointing. But now they need to regather themselves. And Canes are, you know, that's they've won two in a row now. They've picked up a bit of form, as Leo was saying. And I think you're not going to really beat them through the backs. They got a, they got a fair backline there. Some really dynamic players. I think the Blues need to control the game in the forwards, where the Canes tend to be a little flaky. Um, so look, if they can set a good platform. The Blues should get this win, but you, you just know if they switch off, the Canes just have the ability to snatch games, and um, I think it'll end up being quite tight, but I think the Blues should get the win. Yeah, I'm backing with the Blues for a bounce back. We finally do get to see a Barrett v. Barrett um, game going on here. Um, so Geordie facing up against Bowden, and I think at the moment you have to say that Geordie's probably been um, more standout for his team than Bowden has for the Blues so far. Yeah, I would agree with that. And did you see that later on the weekend? I, I don't. You probably you might have missed it actually if you were, were tied up drinking some whiskey. But I think Geordie was able to throw this really long ball um, across the back line to Van Vyke. Yeah, for that um, try. He's got the skills for to play ten. I'm not sure he's going to end up there. They <laughs> seem to shuffle guys in and out of that Hurricanes ten spot at the moment, and Geordie's kind of. Well, that's, at the back, so. that's one thing I did want to say. Fletcher Smith, I think, is an absolute perfect, like, absolute got to select him over Garden Bash. If he had so much more in terms of not just shuffling it on, he takes on the line, he goes for the breaks. Um, I think he absolutely has to stay there at 10. And uh, Toby, I did see Geordie's pass um, was an excellent pass and obviously set up that try. <laughs> I, don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's what you want at 10, though, if he's going to be looking for those huge long loopers he's he's still not quite the 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 rocket passer that some of the better tens are um in the short game i think i think he's still better off out wide in space i just don't know if that serves his selection prospects that well it's it's always going to be hard up against the the level of talent that the all blacks have to pick from to, to stand out what about the um chiefs highlanders game then on sunday obviously that was the absolute showstopper the the first game back into this competition um, do you see something similar happening um, down there in Hamilton? It's going to be tough for the Highlanders because the the Chiefs obviously at home and what they've they haven't won a game yet, so they're so bad. <laughs> you know they, they've they've got to the midpoint of the season. They've had basically no success. Um, what what are they going to do? Are they going to select differently? Will we see uh, Cruden dropped? Will McKenzie come back to ten? Like something a bit unusual like that, or, or will they just um, use use the mid-season point to 
to try and reinforce some of the good stuff and and try and shed whatever's not working for them. Um, they're now coming up against a team who hopefully are a bit resurgent with Josh Uwani, We think coming back, actually coming back, not just not just rumours and and misdirection, but um, a, a different prospect with Josh Uwani and the team. Um, we're expecting him to start a ten and Mitch Hunt to drop back. If that's the case. Um, you know, it's going to be a different type of game. He he can have a fairly big impact. They'll be looking to shut him down and um, just create space out wide for McKenzie and, and the wingers to, to wreak havoc. I think the Chiefs will get the win here, though, uh, as much as it pains me to say. Highland's my uh, New Zealand team, but they are, they're due for a win. They're not a bad team. Things just haven't worked for them. And, and at home against the, the Highlanders, um, even look at it as... Getting Yuani back is is a change, and maybe it'll take a week or two for the Highlanders to settle into that change. Um, I think the the Chiefs will find a way to win this one. They they can't go on losing; they're too good a team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Gatlin's going to work them really hard on this week off they've just had with the bye. Um, I think they'll come in well prepared, um, and I think, like you say, that change at ten may actually impact the Highlanders and the fluidity of their play. I have a, look, I have faith in this Chiefs lineup. I just think they've been unlucky in a lot of games. Um, they've got so much talent across the team, and I don't see any reason why they can't step up here at home and, and try and um, really rebound and, and finish strong in the second half of the season. So I'm looking for big games from Cruden, big games from McKenzie, um, maybe Tapia in the midfield there. And I think if Brad Webber can hit some form as well, that's going to be very important for the Chiefs. Um, and also, look, we can't forget Sam Kane. He's the All Blacks captain. He needs to make a bit of a statement here. He hasn't done much during this um, restart season. So um, looking for another big game from him, hopefully. I think it might actually oh, be really similar to the first game of the season. I reckon it might come down to some last-minute drop goals here. And I think the Highlanders might have enough here to, to take one, even on the road. Be cool. I don't know. I don't know. I've just lost. I've lost my. I just don't think the Chiefs have that same attacking flair. Mm. I hope that they get it back here, but uh, until I see it, I just I don't think I can back them here. So Chiefs are they're favoured by five for the bookies. Um, I think that's that's pretty accurate. I don't think it's going to be a dominant win, but I think they're they're good enough to get that. But who knows? I mean, Gatlin seems to have can kind of change the the way they play a little bit and. They just, yeah, they just don't have any momentum whatsoever. Aaron Cruden has looked a bit like a ball shuffling 10, admittedly. Like, he doesn't seem to have the, the pace and the spark. He, he looks at um, at sixes and sevens with um, the talking to the refs and, and not seeming to get any run on anything. Um, it's just kind of a, you know, not, not to be unkind, but it's a bit of a loser's attitude. Just kind of looks like nothing's going right. And I don't know if he's helping the situation. That's why I'm sort of wondering if he gets bumped and they try something different with, with say, McKenzie at 10 um, or if they've had a good week off and they can consolidate what they were doing and, and reset. Um, I expect it to be close. I, I just can't see Chiefs losing five in a row in this span. I, I just don't think that's likely. If it was down at Dunedin, I might be thinking differently. That might be just too much, but um, they've had two weeks. They're at home. They're comfortable there. I'll have a full crowd, won't they? Arch, no COVID restrictions in New Zealand anymore, so 
Let it rip. Hasn't been for months, mate. Where <laughs> this, is, this is God's country. Says the guy who's wiping his nose currently. <laughs> you got a fever, mate? No, I just lost my sense of taste. Uh, no, mate, no restrictions here. Once again, everyone's going to be out there enjoying this game. And there's a really great, like, sense and following for this competition at the moment. And everyone's getting behind all the local teams and they're getting great support. So it's, it's really good to see. And I think we'll have another couple of games that stand up to it and make this another sort of spectacle. I just hope we see a similar thing in our Australian counterparts. Like we've said already, um, it, it, it's now's the time. Like, just there's there's nothing really in it for anyone winning this competition. Like, there's no major trophies. This isn't likely to be histo- like a historically ongoing competition. Um, you're at the start of a World Cup cycle, so very little chance that you're you know gonna have a bad season and just be overlooked for good now. Like, if if the teams take a an open attitude to the way they're playing and just really try and push some of their, some of their tactics and, and push good players into making the most of their skills. I just think it's the perfect time to, to prototype what your attack and defense can be um, and different strategies against different teams. It's just, there's so, there's so little to lose uh, aside from, you know, a little bit of, a potentially a losing record in a competition that doesn't matter that much. Yeah, you might as well have a crack. And if all the coaches are saying that, say we want to win, but we want to. If we lose, we want to be losing, playing the right way. Have a crack and take that attitude in. This you know could be a much better spectacle, and you might find out a bit more about your players. I think if if we're aiming to have a good spectacle, have a crack out there, and teams actually just to take a few more risks, I think it'll be good for the product. And there's so much to gain. Um, for a TV rights deal for next year and the years going forward, um, to have a bit more power in the in, in the negotiations with New Zealand if we're going to actually go forward with a, a trans-Tasman competition and build into Asia maybe, um, leaving South Africa behind. I think we need to show that we're worthwhile, that we're going to bring you know strong teams to the picture and we shouldn't just be given you know, two teams in the overall scheme of things. Like, we're good enough to have three or four teams. Um, and even five, if, if the force can bring it together as well. You never know. If Twiggy Forest throws some money in there, um, you could see a five-and-five five team competition for next year maybe, and then we build and expand from there and see what happens. I, I just I think this is a real opportunity for Australian rugby. We didn't start first in front of AFL and Rugby League. We weren't able to pull that off, but I think now that we're underway... We just need to make sure that we're getting as many people viewing these games as possible and people talking about the, a good standard of rugby. So I think there just needs to be a real focus on that and, and just, um, yeah, good attacking rugby. Is there a thought that maybe Twiggy Forest needs to be invited into sort of a position at Rugby Australia? That he needs He's to... too busy lobbying the government for things, isn't he? But if he was on the board and he said, oh... This is what I was saying to Archie before. If he's on the board um, and then was offering, you know, investment into Rugby Australia itself or just into the force to say, look, I'll put I'll put forward $2 million a year every year the force are in the competition. Um, you know, people are going to sit up and take notice of that. I, I don't know if he's willing to actually have that much skin in the game, um, but you can see he's keen to actually 
have the force survive, um, play in rapid rugby. I don't know how much that's costing him, but if he focused in to getting the force back into a trans-Tasman competition, surely that would be more lucrative. So I think it just every aspect needs to be looked at, every angle. He, he would be giving up a lot of what he's already put effort into if he did that. And that may be, it may be a sunk cost and you just have to let it go based on, you know, COVID and, and, yeah. and the new world we're, we're experiencing. But, um, you know, there's going to be some attachment to that. And he obviously had an idea for a product. Um, I think he's still probably more of a, just a very visible um, enthusiast and sponsor. I don't know how much um, sort of direction he he will add as a, as a member on a board. Mm. But, I mean, even if it was just, you know, a position he's given... So that he I think has should some definitely sort be of part of the conversation. Well, it's just like it's different ideas. He's doing things a bit differently. He's it's not just the same old talking heads. It's not sort of the same ex players that have been saying the same things for five years, ten years. Um, I just feel like you just need something that you're getting a bit of fresh blood, and you're not just taking the offcuts of people that have been thrown away from the Kiwi competition um, into your my, committee. Yeah. Like my my argument is that. Rapid rugby can exist, but I think it should be like a, what you have over here with the championship and the premiership. So you have relegation of teams, mm. um, and you know you have a model where rapid rugby sits underneath super rugby, and so you can kind of expand into Asia um, without perhaps compromising the the top product. You got a product below that's a bit more experimental. Um, and whether the force play in that or they play in Super Rugby, I think if you had those two levels, there's two competitions going on. Um, there's more money in terms of, you know, a rights deal. And if you can combine those two products and have them run kind of, I don't know, in, in parallel with each other, I think that could be a really great thing for rugby in the Pacific and into Asia. I mean, I'd love to see that. And we're seeing so many different sort of ideas of what Super Rugby or some sort of trans-Tasman or Pacific sort of competition that's going to look like in the future. And it's going from New Zealand with one or two Australian teams to just a New Zealand and Australian competition to New Zealand talking about players, talking about how they'd prefer to be playing South African opponents. So it's it's really anyone's guess at this, at this point of what's actually going to occur when we get to 2021-2022 uh, seasons at this point. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Um, make sure you are checking out what's happening on our social media accounts and make sure, as always, you have pressed that little subscribe button at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, thanks again for stopping by and hearing three brothers argue about some very complex opinions on the sport of rugby. But until next week, keep on running. Run. <laughs> plum soju. Uh, plum gumption. I got a lot of gumption. You reckon Matt Dunning had plum gumption? Plum gumption. <laughs> 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 <laughs>